0: Hi El Paso. Uh, welcome to Maspons MD, our show where we talk about Latino, Latino health issues in our community, specifically for El Paso, but then applying it to the rest of the Latino community around, around the United States. Uh, we're here broadcasting from Maspon's Pediatric Gastro, and we're brought to you by DemiDoc, a mobile health app that empowers physicians, mental health providers, caseworkers, and insurance companies to improve the medical outcomes of Latino Latino community, and underserved communities. Uh, We're joined today by a very special guest, one of the smartest people I know, definitely one of the nicest people I know. We go back way, 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 way back, Dr. Jessica Calderon-Mora. She was the number one student at St. Pius, the number one student at Loretto High School. Uh, She went on to Stanford University and graduated with a degree in human biology, I think it is. And then did a, a master's in public health in, in San Antonio at UT Health Science Center in San Antonio, and she did her PhD at UT UT Houston, and she is now a, a soon to be assistant professor uh, in the in the world of research, um, I think in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at Texas Tech El Paso, uh, the Paula Foster School of Medicine. Uh, thanks, Jesse, for for joining us today. Uh, we're it's gonna happy. talk. Yeah, no, this it's super awesome to, to see you, and especially now during this whole COVID time, it's it's great uh, that we're able to connect again. And we're going to talk about something called bias, uh, which you're an expert in. And I want so this the the people listening to us are just their are community members. There's some physicians, there's moms, there's there's dads, and and kids are watch watch this too. And and I. I first got introduced to the world of bias, well, in, in research papers when I when I would research when I would read uh, research articles in med school and you know and beyond. But I didn't really apply that to the outside uh, medical journal paper until you asked me a couple questions through. you. I think you were doing a project, and you asked, um, I think about experiences during medical school. I think there were or something like that. <laughs> and just uh, to 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 make this as a as a personal story um i remember in my third year and this is not a diss at all against my school Okay, they're just kind of for the times uh so i don't want any kind of backlash from from this but i'm just gonna a the story that during medical school and my internal medicine rotation um as a kid i'd always wanted to to be the kind of doctor that wore Jordans and wore a hoodie and, and just kind of was able to relate to just youth uh, because I think that it, it helps connect that kind of um, looking like like your patients I think is a is a big deal in, in in developing trust and so I dress like that like how I normally dress in the hospital and I would wear a hoodie and wear my white coat and I had some Jordans on and the, at the end of the rotation, the doctors evaluate the students and say, like, did you do well or did you not do well? And then they do some other commentary. And so I, I remember reading uh, about a year later, because um, they, they, uh, the medical school, when you're applying to residency, they, they pull all these comments from your, all the doctors that you rotated with. And they pulled commentary. And I remember reading one, and the doctor said that I was a, that I was a hooligan and uh, and I shouldn't be dressing the way I dressed. And I actually did not, I, I thought I crushed it in that uh, rotation um, and I didn't do as well as I thought. And I wonder, and, I, and, and these kind of things kind of always kind of stuck with me, but when you invited me to be part of that research project, um, it was at that moment where everything kind of surfaced and I was like, wow, I wonder if maybe, maybe the way I dressed uh, impacted the way that doctor thought about me. And maybe it, it impacted other doctors' view of me because I did notice that when I get tired, uh, at least during that time, my accent get, would get really thick. And some some doctors, and one doctor in particular, pulled me aside one time. She was really nice, super nice lady, and really cared about me and cared about my career. And she pulled me aside and she said, Aldo, she was from Pakistan. And she told me, you know, you have to be really careful with how you pronounce your words and how you enunciate, especially during rounds, because you don't want to give off the wrong impression that, that, um, that you don't know what you're talking about. And I had never heard that before, and I was really grateful for her to give me that kind of feedback and and so then that's kind of when everything kind of started coming together uh in terms of like looking back at at my at my training and i wonder if i could be like if i could have been a neurosurgeon from johns hopkins right now if i was <laughs> who knows but I'm, I'm happy with with how everything kind of shook out um and so so anyway so our, our topic today is is bias um and so thanks thanks Jess, for for being to talk to us about this can you tell us about like what it is that you do and then a little bit about bias and then how and then we can kind of just take it from there.
1: Sure, so um, my unconscious bias slash implicit bias kind of uh, background is that I've been giving slash develop training for the past decade on this, uh, primarily for our faculty, staff, um, students, and residents. And so uh, it's just kind of learning a lot about it because it's things you don't think about. We have to understand that we all kind of have bias. That's kind of how we start off our conversation about this when we give our trainings we remind people that that there's a significance and evolutionary importance, right, to having bias. We have to know the fight or flight response. Why is it gonna occur? Do you know, is there something dangerous happening? Is there not? And so um, that's kind of the main message we give in our training to remind people that we all have these types of biases, but that we really have to become aware of them. And so in the past 10 years of doing this, this is separate and aside from my public health cancer prevention research, but it, it kind of, it does overlap with what I do because we're serving the underserved and there's a stigma, right? And a bias towards the underserved and minority communities. And so you can see bias play out in things from who gets into medical school all the way to who gets cancer-strained. And so we just kind of talk about different examples, different types of bias that people don't even recognize that we see in an everyday kind of thing. Our kids experience it starting at three years old. There's so much evidence of, of kids experiencing it just at that age. Um, like,
0: like what? What kind of things would you say like a three-year-old? So
1: so there's a study that shows, uh, actually it came out of, Let me say Yale, um, that shows that when teachers were asked to, um, to say a, a, a child with a black name, so they didn't even see the child, but they were given a more black slash African-American, American type name versus a more non-Hispanic white name, and they were asked to say, hey, who has more aggressive behavior? They would watch the video and they were tracking their eye movements and all teachers, regardless of their race and ethnicity, were focused on the black kids. So then they kind of changed it up and like gave them a vignette of like, you know, the kids struggling at home. And it, it really was only if the teacher kind of looked like the kid, they were a little bit nicer. But this was resulting in pre-kinder kids being suspended because it was assumed that they were the ones, like they were the aggressors.
0: Records, yeah.
1: Yeah, because they were black or African American. And it didn't matter sometimes that the teacher was also black or African American. And so it kind of goes back to, you know, the Department of Education has that kind of information. The amount of kids in pre-kinder getting suspended and there are minorities. So it happens from that age. And so you imagine like how how does that way out when they get into grade school and high school and do they finish high school do they go to college and then all of that kind of because exists.
0: because these kind of things in school they end up tracking you for the rest of your career so like if you have right so if you're like gifted, even like this whole gifted and talented is that is that true is there like biases in that stuff too or not really
1: um i haven't really looked up all of the, the literature on that but i mean i'm guessing there is because when you look at the roster slash list it's a lot more you're going to see a lot less minority types or names i guess you can say than
0: you would non-hispanic white names. So. And, and 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 i think like for in, in medicine um and this kind of stuff i think is just barely starting to come out a lot more that we're that as doctors we have this bias or this whole like pre i guess what would be the best way like this pre-judgment of people without necessarily knowing like,
1: yeah, I mean that's why
0: it's unconscious, right? Because... right so it's just
1: unconscious
0: bias. Yeah. And and we do it a lot and I, and I, I try to tell at least my family members and I'm and I one of the motivators behind this is telling is is informing families how to be good patients in the hospital, which is, is weird. It's it sounds weird right because you're just like, well you're in the hospital, you're sick, do your thing, be sick and let the doctors take care of the rest and the nurses mm-hmm. take care of the rest and the, the staff, but that's not how it is, right? They're there's always that I, I remember this you know this this um I, I i remember getting checkout from another doctor or another team and they're telling me hey watch out watch out for the family in you know i don't know 362 or whatever they're they're tough and and what ends up happening is that, like they end up implanting these ideas in your mind and you end up you know they get like oh they're combative or they're mean or whatever and then you don't pay as close attention to those to those people to those patients and and, right and so this whole prejudgment thing and then they end up suffering the consequences
1: and then you know what's even worse than that is some of those things are formed from like prior experiences right so they can say in general as somebody that looks a certain way maybe they have tattoos all over they're gonna be more combative and it can be from a previous experience and so then they start kind of Imposing that on everybody they see from then on, the tattoo is not even having an interaction with that person. So that's another type, right, of bias that we see. It's it's not even that they had an interaction; it's just they're going based off of prior experiences. And so we see that's that's a one type of bias that we see a lot of.
0: And and w- would you say that in in like hospitals? Like so, I, I read a study about if, if you can kind of comment on this. You talked about cancer screening. I read a study about. Um, how Latinas are less likely to get cancer screening for like cervical cancer screens. Um, I think colon cancer screens. Um, that's one. And then there was another thing that I read about pain medicines, where that if you're if if you have broken bones, they so looked at this uh, um, this this one research article looked at multiple types of people uh, ethnicities. And, and races that had broken bones and looked at the amount of pain that, the, you know, they circle like from one to 10. What's your pain scale? And they, you know, they put nine. Like, so they look at everybody who has nines and based on their ethnicity, certain people, uh, Latinos specifically, got less pain medicines despite having higher pain. So like they were 10, they were less likely to get pain medicines than people who were not Latino. Could you, could you talk about that a little bit more about like that kind of stuff, these biases and treating patients, cancer screening?
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So for cancer screenings, we definitely see it a lot less, and it it happens where it's like a bias of the physician or healthcare provider kind of reading into that data and saying, okay, it already we know you're less likely to do it, and sure, we've read up on the barriers, you know, cultural barriers that might play into it. So we're not going to recommend it to you. So that's kind of what we see when we have participants in our program who haven't gotten screened in a long time. It's usually a negative prior experience with their healthcare provider of well, they never told me I needed it. I've never heard about it. Oh yeah, I'm 55, but they never mentioned colorectal cancer. They didn't. They just kind of you know, oh well, yeah. You know what? I'm not taking all my diabetes medication. So that's what we hear a lot from our participants and our patients is that they're treated as somebody that's not going to take it seriously. So why? Why is it, it's not even offered to them? So that's what we see a lot of with the pain meds. Oh, that's a
0: hard one. Um, that. That's fine if you haven't come across it. I just I was just blown away that yeah. that these things happen. And and I've heard this before about about the cancer screenings. And we had personal experiences in our in our family of people having all the criteria to get screened for colon cancer, and they don't get a colonoscopy. So it's it's amazing to me. And and so. Do you think that if you are of the same, so like, you know, we're in, we're in El Paso, like most everybody, we're kind of similar. Is, is, is this something that's like in our community where there's that kind of bias where like, if do you see that here? I guess you're kind of already saying you do, you do see that, um, that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we do see it, that it, it, and sadly, it is from people that look like them, so I can't just say it's, it, and that's what I'm saying, like it probably is that in medical school or in training, they heard things or they read things that would, that's data, and so for people that are data-driven, that it's showing them that they're not going to get it, that already formed a bias for them to say patients more than likely not look to get it. So yeah, they do face it here, and it's not just from doctors that don't look like them, it's also from, from other healthcare providers that look like them.
0: So, so, so there's a, a cultural in, have, you know, have you seen that the cultural aspect helps like if you're of, of similar background or similar messaging or messaging that you understand, does that help with, with medical outcomes?
1: So the funny part is it does, but it usually does at a lower level. So I work a lot with promoter, community health workers. And at that level it does because they're more likely to have built rapport with these patients because they come from, a really similar background, right? Sometimes even the same neighborhood. And so for that, it's funny that our promotoras will recommend cervical cancer screening and then they'll go get it. But if the physician does, even though the physician's also Latina, they won't. So it's kind of an interesting thing because you won't find that in literature. You'll find exactly what you're saying. The more relatable uh, a healthcare provider is, the more likely the person is to do what the what the physician says.
0: Is that, a, uh, is that like a connection issue though, where you see you see that one doctor for so are you talking specifically about cervical cancer screenings or,
1: uh, and or any, any, i mean it's all yeah breasts any, any any cancer screenings. Screenings.
0: yeah so mm-hmm. is that is that because um you see your doctor like twice a year versus you see a promotora every day or once a week or once a month so that it might be this whole consistency issue and not necessarily uh it, it might be a consistency message issue and and, and not a not necessarily like an educational thing or
1: yeah it could be and it's also you're right they see them more regularly so they're going to be more open they're not about to tell a healthcare provider oh i think i can get colorectal cancer from the crazy things that we hear um you know but um it could be that they're able to just tell the promoter what they hear and they're more likely to not judge them they feel like they would be judged by somebody with a higher level of education yeah
0: that's true because I, re- I remember, I think I um I mentioned this before about my about my abuelita. My abuelita would I, I remember when she first got she got cancer when I was little, so I was like 10. And I remember the doctor coming into the room and asking a bunch of questions. And she was just like <laughs> just like she didn't want to answer for some reason. And I I talked, I I remember thinking. I asked her later, like, you know, how come, you know, if, if you know what's been going on, how come you didn't say it? What, what's been going on? And she said that she, if the doctor was good, the doctor could figure it out. And I thought, what the heck? That was just so, so strange. And, and I'm not sure if that is that something that you hear too when, when in working because your your research is like deep in the community kind of stuff. Like you're work doing, like, <laughs> is that kind of is that kind of a thinking that you see?
1: It is, yeah, that and it kind of goes along with the whole fatalism and fatalism, you know, what, what's going to be is going to be, I don't need to hear any of this stuff, it's just going to happen, that's what's meant to be. So we get a lot of that, we do get a lot of so
0: that. no prevention measures because así es como lo quiere Dios. Exactly, exactly. You know, I'll tell, you know, I love my mom, obviously, you know, everyone knows how much I love my mom, and i uh, and and I'll, I'll hear this whole you know this whole fatalism. I, I I never heard that before. This whole fatalism thing. But I'll tell when I hear that talk, that kind of uh, messaging, this fatalistic thing. I I have to voice that I don't. You don't get extra points for suffering in life. Like there's no. I don't. I don't think at least that there's someone keeping score and saying like La Señora Reyes sufrió. Maybe, I mean, I don't know, but I, I don't... I you don't get
1: a fast pass, I don't
0: know. <laughs> get a fast pass. And, and so, uh, w- one of the other things that I that I saw was that I was reading about um, was about more... So, death rates for people who get hospitalized. And, and I don't remember the name of the study. Um, but one study looked at for people of similar cultural backgrounds, that if their doctor was of that same culture or ethnicity, uh, they tended to live, I think it was like five to 10 times, there were five to 10 times less likely to die than if they were different. Uh, have you ever seen any any kind of data like that? Any kind of research articles at all about, about just like death rates or just medical outcomes in general? I think we talked about the colore cancer screen, but is there any other, other things that you can think about? Um, uh, I'm trying to, yeah,
1: I mean, like, survivability in that
0: Yeah, sense. survivability.
1: Um. I can't say that I've seen it based on, like, what their health care provider is like, but it will be where they got their health education from. There is some, like, data on that. Again, going back, because, again, I do a lot of work with Bogotora. So, again, if it's somebody that is relatable to them in that sense, then it does somehow, we don't know yet what the mediating... So,
0: relatability, is. though, Right relatability and and i'll like i'll see how um i I don't know if you've ever been to the obviously you were in the hospital because you you had your kids but like when when um when people go to the hospital they'll get packets like when they get discharged from the hospital they'll get these massive packets like this and it i don't think anybody reads those things like i don't i they're just a mess. Um, right. They're, they're difficult to understand. They don't necessarily apply to whatever the person had. Is it that kind of stuff that you're talking about, this whole relatability thing where we're like, if if a doctor says it in a certain way versus if somebody in a, in a, if the message is better than the person. I mean, and it
1: could even be like what we try to do with our provider education is like, you know, you have to think about health literacy, too. Right. Like if they can't even write and then you're giving them this piece of paper that they don't understand and in, in jargon that's like at a high school level they're not going to understand it so we try to talk to providers to say hey what you say usually they will listen to but you have to take that extra time which most physicians that we work with I get it they, you guys don't have time you guys are very busy but it is that matter of if the healthcare provider just spent five minutes saying okay basically what this paper is trying to say is this in whatever language preference they have even if it- later they're more likely to do what that paper says so it's a it is a bias of wow they care about me they spent those those extra five minutes
0: so what's the best way if you if if you're telling um so you're you teach you teach basically doctors how to be better doctors and how not to judge patients right (laughs) how how do you start off by how how do you start that process
1: so it's kind of hard because i tell you that most people are not willing to recognize (laughs) that they have bias. And so that's kind of why we start off by saying, guess what, we all have bias. It's how we've survived. It's not, I mean, this is how we got to where we are. Caveman had it, we have to have it. This is how we where we are, but it's one of those things that we'll go through examples of, you know, we'll show videos of of things that aren't even relatable to academic medicine just to get people to see, you know, that they selectively pay attention to certain things. Okay, now let's translate that to a case scenario in a hospital where it is, you know, a Latina with diabetes. Well, sadly, most of the healthcare physician uh, health providers will say, oh, they're Latino. Like all, all Latinos have diabetes and they right. a bunch of manteca and they don't eat healthy. So, yeah. they, you know, they just kind of roll that in. So we have to show them we give them examples from outside of, of medicine and then we bring it back and give them case scenarios to say, OK, what would you do in this situation? You know, we have a situation where a resident says something with an earshot of a patient saying, oh, I don't know why we're wasting money on this patient. They're not even gonna take the medication and that kind of thing. And then saying, okay, what would you do as that resident or as a fellow resident, how would you address that? And it's hard for people to come out and say, oh, I would do this because then we start talking about power differentials and all sorts of things, but it's hard for them to even recognize that that's coming from a bias that's been
0: instilled in something else. You know, that, it okay. it drives me nuts. It it drives me absolutely bananas when people, when doctors are like, oh, um, you know, they're these uh, Mexican people. They're just they're they're big because of all they're the, lazy. They, they're mm-hmm. lazy and the food that they eat and. And we just, we talked to um, uh, Samir Morali. I don't know if you remember him or not, but, mm-hmm. um, so he, he talked about the very thing where like, you know, a lot of people, if they're overweight, you know, they're, a lot of times they're, they're stressed out, they're working long hours, they're, they're not sleeping that much and they're eating what they can at the time that they can. And, and maybe those aren't the best choices, but there's the, the best choices at the time for them, for their stress levels. And, and all these things become like these ingrained biases, like, like you're saying. What what would you say to non doctor people, uh, non doctors who 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 think like, well, I'm not I'm not a racist, I'm not prejudiced, I'm not, I, I'm I'm totally fine. You know, I was raised in the Catholic Church and everything's good. Do they have biases?
1: Of course, we all do. I mean, my favorite that I like hearing is, oh, I don't need to learn about gay people. I have plenty of gay friends, you know, and, and we have to try to teach them like. You're, that's actually a microaggression so we teach about microaggressions too but the the main message is yeah you have you have bias i'm not saying that you're racist yeah we all have some type of bias and um just that we kind of have to like recognize it so even i mean think about it even us growing up in a catholic school we still probably made jokes about people that look different from us right or, you know and that's just something that I mean, my grandparents would do it you know, it just was something we were used to. So it has to be something that now we stop the cycle by saying, Hey, wait, that's not right. Like that's offensive. That's not funny. Let's take it back. And and so what we recommend is like, you kind of have to talk it out. You can't just sit back and be a passive bystander. You have to tell that person, Hey, wait, 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 you know what? You just said that about a patient or somebody else that's walking down the street or whatever you know, think about what you're saying and how that negatively impacts that person. And then, especially if you're with your kids, I know for me, I'm extra cognizant of it because my kids are listening to exactly what I'm saying. And that's where their mindset comes from, right? So it's just this whole idea of like, we all have it. I mean, I've been doing unconscious bias work for 10 years and I still catch myself, you know, with the stupid things that I remember just my grandparents saying from when I grew up and I have to stop myself. So.
0: And do you, and and so like, what, what would be, so like just for, for, what would you what would you recommend for like tias and tios so you know at the at the table um because you're you're in a in a very your kids are in a unique position because you're there talking about it and and what would you recommend um people at home doing to see if they have biases or so, i mean obviously they have biases like you're saying but yeah like, to, for them to come up
1: so i mean to come up it's just that you have to kind of it's when you're exposed to what we call our others right so those that don't look like us so how do you react like it's literally even if you're watching a tv show about somebody of a different race ethnicity sexual orientation gender idea identity how are you reacting like is it making you uncomfortable because that's going to be your first sign that you have a bias and then once you recognize that part it sounds cliche, it sounds cheesy, right? But you have to kind of talk it out. Like, why? Why does that upset you? Why are you uncomfortable? Why did your body language change? Just turning on the TV and watching the show or seeing somebody at the store that looks like that or is different. And then kind of thinking like, okay, but my thoughts about that person are actually negative and it really doesn't impact me. I mean, because really the best thing to do is to have friends and family and expose yourself, right? To people that are, obviously that would be the ideal situation but it's really just kind of thinking through why am i feeling like that like i feel my body tensing up i feel you know a weird just a weird disposition why is that and kind of thinking that through so that's kind of the the easiest thing for anybody out there
0: we i watched um when i so the other thing that got me really pumped up about about biases was uh i i watched a video about, so I got told a story about this. Poli- two, two things. One, I got told a story about a police officer. Um, I think you've you, obviously you've heard this before, but just for the, for the, for the sake of the audience, there was a police officer who um, I think oh, testified um, about somebody who, who he didn't see. Somebody got, went to jail. Okay, I can't remember the exact story, but somebody went to jail and it was based on his testimony. And what they, what the, what the the Harvard School of Psychology or something or the psychiatric department, they kind of reenacted all the steps that the officer did and proved that the, the officer couldn't possibly have seen what was going on. So what, what happened was that the officer, so they, they they did an experiment. This officer was chasing, was chasing uh, a criminal, right? just running after them, and then. And they asked the police officer, "Hey, did you see anything going on?" Uh, like, no. Uh, I just... Well, turns out that there was somebody getting beat up uh, during the during the chase, and that person was so focused on on chasing that that a police officer didn't see what was what was going on. The testimony was like, "Oh yeah, you know," it, it, it kind of got all messed up, and the, the person ended up eventually going to jail, and then they got reversed. And it, and then they the same department did a study where they looked at, um, they, they had like a group of five people passing the ball, right? Mm-hmm. And then they yeah. ask you, count how many times the ball goes from the person wearing the red shirt to the person wearing the green shirt. And so you're like, focused. Well, one, two, three, four, six, okay, 25. And they ask you, oh, how many times did the ball go from that person to this person? 25 times. Are you sure? Yes. And they're like, the, the answer is 25 times. Um, yeah, awesome. But did you notice that a big gorilla walked the invisible through? gorilla experiment? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this the gorilla experiment. And so this gorilla walks through. I had no idea, right? And so this this were this whole uh, and I don't know exactly what I guess it's testing just like this whole focus thing where you it's a
1: selective attention, right? So like
0: attention, yeah.
1: That we give with our faculty, and it's funny because we'll do it like with radiologists and it's a CT scan. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what do you notice here? And they're looking at like huge nodules, right? And like they're pointing yeah. out there's a goofy gorilla like in the middle of the CT scan and like 80% of radiologists miss that.
0: No way.
1: <laughs> you're focused on what you're trained on. So it's, it's, it's we all do it, right, like you were asked to see who passes the ball from one color, to- yeah. you're not looking at anything.
0: So is there something, this is just more for kind of like family activities as we're all doing this whole COVID stuff at home,
1: yeah. is there
0: something or is there is there some kind of material or source for something that you can tell like that you would be comfortable sharing with a with, uh, family member to so say, you should check this out to see if, I mean, I tell them the, the gorilla thing, but I'm not sure if that's, is there anything else like that that you would? This? So there's
1: actually, it's on, um, I think it's called Brain Games. It's on, um, I mean, you can YouTube it. it's think mm-hmm. it's Geographic Channel or something. That's where we get a lot of examples for our training, but they have something similar to that. And so that exactly does that. It shows the selective attention. So it's a similar experiment, but I was like a chicken in the background. Mm-hmm. so They can kind of watch those things. It also Brain has, Games? Brain games, yeah. Brain,
0: brain games like brain and then like a game. And that's mm-hmm. just YouTube brain games and you yeah.
1: yeah, and it'll show that one. There's another one that, um, so this one kind of goes with the bias of like gender bias, right? So it's a little boy that loses his cap at a mall, and they're asking, the mom's asking, he's like a 12 year old boy, and they're asking people, Have you seen a cap? And there's this bright pink sequin hat, like right in the middle of the floor. Like it's clearly just, you know, sitting there. Yeah, and Most of the men would be like, I haven't seen anything. And it's funny because they were tracking the eye movement and you can see them staring at the cap and two seconds later...
0: Because there's a little boy.
1: Because it's a boy. So then it's funny because at the end, they're interviewing these people. And I mean, most of the people are like, oh, strange kid peeing.
0: Yes. (laughs) And and there's another one too, where um, the... So it was a, it was a case of a, of, um, of a surgeon is in the hospital, and the surgeon's at the hospital, and and this this uh, um, patient who has like who's in a car accident or something mm-hmm. comes in and says, um, "I got oh my god, this is my this is my kid who comes in in a car accident, like that's my that's my kid," and then and they're asking like uh who call my call my spouse call my spouse and so and so they give you like a choice like who so who, who do you call and they give you like this names or something and 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 i think most people uh think i'm messing up all these cases man but <laughs> but most people think that they're like well they can't possibly call the husband because the surgeon's the husband so, but it's actually the, the surgeon is a female, mom. Mm-hmm. the mom, mm-hmm. and and I I had over I, I was talking to somebody about um, this this was in the news too about uh, there was a, a picture of a couple, and it said like billionaire remarries um, uh, re- remarries and uh, marries a teacher, and so like, I heard some of the some of the comments were like oh man. That billionaire—I uh, can't believe he married that—that teacher—and is actually the female was the te- this was a Jeff, <laughs> Bezos, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife.
1: Oh, there He's you go. She was a billionaire.
0: Yeah. She's a billionaire, and and the dude was the teacher, and and people were saying it was, it was the other way around. So that's that's an example of an unconscious bias, right? Because you hear like, "Oh, you a billionaire must be a man." But fact, it's funny
1: because the media really does play into that too. yeah like
0: how how so like what what would you say about that so
1: like some other examples that i've seen out there are like um i mean you can think even about like male athletes right like if it's a black black male athlete being interviewed by like aaron andrews because that's an example that we always use by who by uh aaron andrews like female white female um so it's always that the guy is like being aggressive and like you know And, and it's, it's this thing of like, oh, it's because... Serena Williams. Serena Williams. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's this loud, obnoxious black woman. And that's what she got. Yeah. So it's, it's this thing that we do where like we just tie all these adjectives to, to people that we've seen described that way. And even what you're talking about, um, to the example you gave about the surgeon and the way we tell it, it's a son and a father that show up. Uh, yes.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. And
1: then it's amazing what people will come up with, like, oh, well, they must be in a same sex couple. <laughs> like, obviously it's another man that's a surgeon. Like he has two bags or, you know, it's, it does everything. So that the person can justify it's a guy. <laughs> yes. A woman. So, and then we see it too, like with race and ethnicity. So we see it if people are looting versus finding food. We've seen that like after a lot of natural disasters. If it's a white couple, they found food. If it's a black couple, they were looting the story. They were stealing.
0: And these these things are like really uncomfortable. I mean, like, you know, I'm 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 here. I am thinking like, oh, what are how are people going to perceive this interview and all these things? But they're uncomfortable. But it's uncomfortable for a reason, and it's it's a necessary uh, uncomfortableness.
1: I mean, it is uncomfortable because even after our trainings, we've had countless people come up to us and say, you know what? I feel like you're pinpointing me. You know that. I must be racist because I'm the only non-Hispanic white person in the room, and basically we've had to like put in a disclaimer to say, you know what? Yeah, you're going to see a lot of examples focused on race, um, but you know what? It, we would be remiss to not say it's still happening today. Clearly, it's still happening today. I mean, even looking at the recent headlines, we know it is. Anti-racism needs yeah.
0: to be. And, and I think I, I was. Um... So, so when I left, so I left El Paso in, in 97, like you and me did. And in, so we we kind of follow the same tracks you think about it. So I, you know, we went to the Bay, we both went to the Bay Area, California. In the Bay Area, I would get, it, it didn't happen to too, happen too me many, too many times, but I got followed a lot. I got pulled over a lot of times, just because I looked the way, I mean, I don't think I've changed much. Um, and then in Dallas, oh man, I got pulled over. Once a week, probably, uh, in school or when I was driving around around town, uh, just because of how I looked, and then that didn't happen to me after. It happened to me a couple times in Houston, um, and then in El Paso, I thought, oh, finally, I'm safe. And it's not true. It's <laughs> it's not true. It's it's um it's still a thing. I um I was wearing I was wearing a beanie, and I got pulled over. And I, so, I, so I, drive, I drive a Lexus, and, and I got pulled over. And I was, I was wearing a beanie. I was listening to rap music. I love. I listen to rap music. I love rap music. And I got pulled over. And 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 so it's happened to me a couple of times here. And and this is talking from a, like a Latino male, but, but it, you know we have a, a fairly sizable um, Black population in El Paso, and, and they go through. And and I and I think it was it was during this whole. Um, uh, black Lives Matter uh, conversation over the summer. Um, it, was, it was sad for me to to know that in El Paso, where a city that I love and I cherish, to know that we are not necessarily the fairest uh, to to our our black brothers and sisters, and it was it was really rough. It was it was hard.
1: Well, it's eye opening, right? It's so <laughs> it was definitely eye opening i mean i didn't grow up thinking like that but then you realize oh it was
0: horrible i was i was so sad i was really disappointed um and and but i think it's all things that we have to just kind of what are you gonna do you have to face it you have to face it and and say that we have a a bias um whatever it is whether it's a racial bias or other other things And and i think that it can only like you're saying recognizing it make is the first step
1: yeah, I mean, it really is like and you basically have to admit that you have it. And to say that I'm sitting here telling anybody I don't, I would never know. I have it too. I still have it. I still catch myself regularly. I mean, it's we're human. It's, it's going to happen. But you just have to recognize how that makes people feel and, and what it's done. I mean, look at all that you're talking about the Black Lives Matter issue. Look at look at the harm it's done. It's, it hasn't moved our country in a good direction. So we really need to kind of on a smaller scale think about it in our families and in our little you know households and that kind
0: yeah, of yeah and i think like from because we're in the medical field i think that there's there's you know there's all this like medical medical research coming out now how much harm we're doing uh to to patients because we have this this bias and i and i think that from a, as, as a technologist i guess somebody who's really into technology and and um, trying to work on uh, at least our, our whole niche is kind of discovering this whole cultural competency and and uh, this cultural alignment and improving medical outcomes there's also this whole thing of of if if we follow the status quo that even through technology there's possibilities of introducing biases in technology too I don't know if you yeah. have if you see anything across that could you comment a little bit I don't know if you see so
1: anything. I mean I think when I think of that I think mostly of our um, LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters we see a lot more bias towards that um I know ever since I've started working in the diversity arena I've, I'm much more aware of when I get an intake form at a doctor's office and it asks me for gender and it just says male female and I have no other option or yeah. I don't preferred name versus my legal name or um, even at some places like some pediatrician offices will give you pink versus blue forms for your kids I mean that, that's really where I see the bias and I do have a good friend that is a transgender woman and I have a lot of friends in the queer community that will say you know we, we don't go they're in the healthcare field and they'll say they don't go to the doctor because of, of stuff like that they've been called by their dead name where they've been, you know, by their what name? So their dead name, a transgender individual, their dead name is their name given at birth, not the name. It doesn't align with the gender that they identify.
0: Oh, not the name that they've they've taken on.
1: Right. Um, And that's like super offensive to them, you know? So, and it'll be like, I don't care what it says on your chart, your ID says this, that's what I'm going to call you. But, Mm -hmm. you know? Or asking just like weird questions about anatomical parts that have nothing to do with the reason that they're there.
0: <laughs> so. Oh yeah, 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 and and you know like there's there's, uh, I mean I guess I guess like from a from a personal side this like this this uh, transgender conversation, I guess it's coming out more mainstream. I guess for me, it's there's always it's always been a medical. There's there's always a medical part to it. And I don't know why it's so controversial. Um, I guess I understand that people are uncomfortable with it. But
1: yeah, I think that, that's really what it boils down to. I mean, even having this conversation with my dad is always like a triggering one. You know, like, let me try to explain this to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I, and I and I um, I need to look at our own intake to see about those things. And I. And I so this is great. I mean, like, I'm learning, I'm, obviously, I always learn a lot when I, <laughs> when I talk to kids. Um, so that's that's something to definitely keep in mind about about the colors. We don't do that in our office about colors maybe, like that, um, but the preferred name, that's that's, a,
1: that's yeah, Preferred name, pronouns, because also you have to keep in mind, uh, like, I just had a meeting this morning, a Zoom meeting, and um, this individual's um, preferred pronouns were they there and they had it right there on their Zoom name, you know, yeah. Dexter and it had they there or whatever, it had, it had their preferred pronouns. And my colleague at the end said, okay, goodbye ladies, nice to see you. And she got off and she was mortified like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. And just said, ladies, I, I know that you know, their preference is there. And I said, you know what, honestly, what I've learned in my world is the fact that you care <laughs> after is more important than the fact that you made a mistake because we all do. I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> just, just have to admit, like we all you just can't be insensitive about it, you know, and then. But then we've heard when we give trainings like, oh, my gosh, they what, you know, will want extra sensitive care. Like, no, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying you respect that person. Like with the whole preferred name, we've had a lot of pushback on that. Why do we give preferred name? And my argument is always, you know what? I know a lot of people that go by their name, not by their first name.
0: Yes. Isn't it the
1: same thing? Like, I'm not asking you to do anything extra. You're just asking them for their preferred thing when you call
0: them up, you know? Right. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a, that's an excellent point. We, we, you had talked about your, you know, you're talking to your dad and having conversations with your dad and um, other family members. Are, are there things that you think in your conversations with them that are like pervasive, Like I don't know if it's like an El Paso-wide thing or some kind of pervasive thought that you think. If only I could change this one way of viewing things, then maybe we'd be better off as a as a community.
1: Oh, that's hard. I feel like it's so inculcated in our culture. Like we're so old school. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. It's just this thought of like. I mean, my grandparents. we're we're discriminatory against black people that you know like even though my nino my godfather is is black there was always that conversation oh but you know he's the exception because you always hear that too like that follow the mold right um so it really is that like and and i think what it boils down to now that now that we're having this conversation is just to kind of keep an open mind like it doesn't mean that anybody's trying to like be extra sensitive or anything like that it's just keeping an open mind that everybody has their own experience in life and if we were just all more open to that, I think we would come from a, a, a place of like, okay, I'm going to be more accepting of you. It, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to affect you personally. You know?
0: And, and I think because we're, we're in the health space and this is like this whole like health topic for Latinos thing. It's like, if if you're aware of it, then at least you know that you're going to give the best care that you can to your patients or to your to, to the patients who depend on you because that's what they deserve. Regardless, regardless of their race, regardless of their preferred pronoun, regardless of if they want, you know, whatever it is, the obligation is always patients first.
1: And do no harm. Do no harm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Above all, do no harm. That, that's that's definitely the, the, the creed that the medical profession, professionals follow and we should all, always follow. Um, I, Jesse, I want to be sensitive to your time. I know we, we've, we've been talking for, no, for no. a while. And, and Talk about this forever. <laughs> There's this. There's this thing where we where, where have this uh, segment of the show called bichos, bichos de abuelita. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there anything that you that you can remember from your childhood? It doesn't have to be like bias related, but if you do, <laughs> awesome. But is there any any bichos from your abuelita or your family members that you that you can think of? at don't know they used say. Just in general.
1: Let's see. Oh my gosh, I'm blinking.
0: Give me some and then I'll. So there's, you know, just one popular one is that no hay hay mal que por bien no venga, right? So there's always, you could know, there's no wrong that doesn't have a, a good side. And yeah. I think for this would be would be kind of appropriate because recognizing the wrong. But So so every I always have this like dicho and I, when I when I say it out loud and it just makes so much more sense and uh, how just how like salient and sage the these dichos are, because, mm-hmm. you know, talking about biases that it's it's a it's a it's a. It's this thing that we all have, right? From from learning from you of what of what of the of the conversation that, that you share with us is like we all have these biases and it and it might be perceived as maybe wrong, but recognizing it is the right. And and so then you can you can always write these these biases, but the first step is just being aware that we're not number one, not everybody has to look like us. Number two is that if if we're uncomfortable and maybe not just like look like us but even just talk like us or think
1: like us, think mm-hmm. like
0: us. all these things make us all the better because we, imagine imagine if everybody in El Paso was just like me it'd be pretty boring it would be the most annoying <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be the most annoying city uh and it's great like having these differences makes us makes us significantly significantly better um
1: and that's why I love our community because we truly are, you know, a melting pot of somebody like me who's like a fourth generation of El Paso. And you have first generation, you have, yeah. that, you know, I mean, that's what I love about, about being here.
0: You know, it's interesting. So I heard somebody say they don't like the term melting pot because everything comes in one. Everything becomes one. They prefer <laughs> salad. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: it's funny that you say that because I remember yeah. like, before, like, oh, I'm colorblind, melting pot, and now I'm like, oh, yeah. no. so, like, it's true, we don't, you can't melt, you don't want to melt because then you lose that's your identity, right? Yeah. Like, we do want to be a salad with very distinct pieces and colors. Yeah. And I, yeah. That's okay, and I, I'm totally, yeah, it's funny because people now with the colorblind, I'm like, no, nope, no, nope, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't exist. You can't be colorblind. I mean, you All just-
0: way, no. Yeah. So, so anyways, now I'm like, let's just be a salad. <laughs>
1: Nice, oh, nice
0: tasty healthy salad every, every time on these talks i'm trying we we have to as a city because uh, we're talking about salads i got um <laughs> I'm, you know we have to as a city work so hard to eat better uh dr morali told us last week about eating better i'm i'm doing this thing called skazgard farms so and if you've heard of this so, um uh, so this produce is so awesome and all my friends who are moving back so i have friends who move back from new york and all these like fancy places uh, mm-hmm. back home because of all the of the COVID stuff. Uh, you can eat fruits and vegetables that are fresh and delicious in El Paso, Texas.
1: Okay. <laughs> so. yeah, and it's like, it's funny you mentioned this because at the beginning of the year. I was like, oh, I need to eat healthy. So yeah, I'm supporting local. I get prepped meals twice a week. I'm eating healthy, it's fresh produce. could that be a
0: salad. Yeah.
1: It doesn't have to be a salad, but it is, yeah, exactly.
0: So Jesse, thank you so much. Thanks for for uh, your knowledge. Can, do you have um, a social media presence? I know you do have a social media presence, but like a professional social media presence or so- somewhere where people want to look up your research or anything where they, they can, I, I guess they can look up your research articles. Jessica Calderon, uh, um, PhD. I don't. And I probably, PhD. It would just be
1: like my Google Scholar link. But other than that, it's just my work. Social
0: media content. well we're, we're lucky I think as a city we're lucky to to have you here it, it's my uh, dream to have like um, the talent that we have in El Paso to just be showcased and push I, I think as a community we really need to really strive for excellence and you're one of the examples of that we have as a city of, of excellence and so you're definitely a great role model for us uh, a, a great resource for us uh as a city and so thanks thanks for doing what you do jess
1: of course it's fun to always come back and work with you
0: all right <laughs> thank you so much uh thank you. we'll see you we'll see you soon okay um okay thanks again bye bye